Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. What's up, Bridge? Uh, I'm humbled that I get to stand up here today uh, and deliver this message. This topic, financial fitness, is something I'm very passionate about. Um, Some of you know that I didn't go to school to become a pastor. I did not plan to become a pastor. My college degree is in financial planning, is in risk management. But God called me into ministry and called me to become a pastor after I graduated college. And while I've been in ministry, I have really enjoyed thinking of and discussing and teaching how to view our finances through our faith. This message today is a lot more than a message to be heard. It's a message intended to be lived, a message intended to be applied in your daily financial decisions for the next few decades of your life. And while I may be the one preaching today, uh, it's been uh, my wife and I that have been the ones that have been practicing this together. I don't believe that if not for some early decisions we made in our marriage about money, that I would be pastoring a church in Brooklyn today. So uh, I may be teaching this today, but we've been living it. We've been uh, applying these principles as best as we can. Let me pray. Lord, use me today. Lord, I pray that I would make much of Jesus I pray that I would be able to lift up the low in spirit. I pray that I might be able to even bring humility to the proud. Use me, God, today as an instrument of your grace and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. We're calling this money series, Financial Fitness, Getting God's Money in Shape. If you were to work with a personal trainer for your, uh, for your physical fitness, that trainer is gonna put you through multiple tests. They're probably gonna test your cardiovascular endurance by having you run a mile to see the relationship between your lungs and your heart. They might put you through some stretching exercises to test the range of your joints to see your flexibility. They might test your body fat percentage. Different tests to get an assessment of your fitness. Well, if we were to run some tests of our finances, a financial fitness test, what would the results look like? (laughs) Well, I ran some tests on our finances. As a country, 30% of Americans are struggling or in crisis. 40% of Americans cannot pay for a $400 unexpected expense. 42% of Americans have less than $10,000 saved for retirement. Americans have $986 billion in credit card debt. We are approaching a trillion dollars in credit card debt. In New York, the average credit card balance is $9,000. That's card, not user. So some people have multiple cards. And the average credit card interest rate is 24%. Church, 
can we just agree we are not in financial shape? But let's not get it twisted. We all didn't start out in the same financial shape because in our country, there are different financial starting lines. Different financial starting lines that were created because 250 years of chattel slavery, 90 years of Jim Crow, 35 years of a racist housing policy. Systems that have prevented people of color from acquiring wealth. We can see this in our um, mortgage system. How do you learn how a mortgage works? Your friends have a mortgage. You have a mortgage. But what happens when a federal housing program draws red lines around neighborhoods that prevents those neighborhoods from getting loans? Or what about 401k and investment accounts? How do you learn about those? Well, you work in positions, you work for companies that include a 401k. But historically, people of color, especially women, have not received job promotions into these executive level positions that include 401ks. Tools that help wealth building, tools that help people financially make progress. Even we can see it in financial literacy, racism being linked to financial literacy. There are many disparities behind the financial gaps and the financial disparities that we see. We're not gonna be unpacking those factors in this series, but before we start these sermons, before I start my sermon, it's important that I, as a white man, acknowledge we all didn't have the same financial starting line. There are systemic reasons why some people are out of financial shape. When I uh, have financial meetings with folks in our church, people are usually scared to meet with me. <laughs> Talking about money is hard. Sometimes there's feelings of guilt, shame, embarrassment. I'm embarrassed. I've still been making these financial decisions over and over. And that's all of us. We've all made financial decisions we're not proud of. Some of you might have debt collection letters in the mail. Some of you are opening new credit cards because your other cards are maxed out. Wherever you're at today, I want you to hear this. It's okay. It's okay to be where you are, but it's not okay to stay that way. We want these series to help you maybe reorient how you see money in your life. We want you to help get God's money in shape. Growing up, I viewed money as generally a private subject. There was just some things you just didn't talk about, and money was one of those things. But that's actually not what God intended. In the Bible, there are 500 verses on prayer, 450 verses on faith, but 2,350 on money. We would say prayer is important, right? We would say faith's important. And it's not it's not one-to-one -one ratio, but money's important. And how we view money is important. Most of my message today has been crafted from my own experience and the nine years of pastoring this church. And over the years, I've seen a tension in many of you, a tension that I have felt personally, the tension between financially wanting more and financially saying no, the tension between ambition and contentment. 
ambition and contentment. Oxford's Dictionary defines ambition as a strong desire to do or achieve something, a determination for drive and success. We feel this tension all the time. We desire more. We desire to grow our net worth. We desire to expand our influence. We desire to build a legacy. But as I studied ambition in the Bible, there are no verses that talk about ambition when it comes to money. So my sermon's over. (laughs) The things that are mentioned when it talks about ambition in the Bible, Paul says he's ambitious about preaching the gospel where the name of Jesus has not been heard. The Bible calls us to be ambitious about preaching the gospel, to be ambitious about pleasing God, to be ambitious for spiritual gifts. So theologically today, I cannot point to verses that say, be ambitious about making money. They don't exist. But I believe there's a difference between an earthly ambition and a godly ambition. I believe we can have a holy ambition when it comes to our finances. Earthly ambition is all about me. It's about getting ahead. It's about competing against people, maybe even having to step on those people if I need to. It's about talking about my coworkers to my boss in a way that puts me in a better light to my boss. Maybe I'll get the job promotion. So while I couldn't find anything about ambition for money in the Bible, what I did find was how the Bible talks about being rich. First Timothy six verses nine and 10. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Look at that. Money can cause people to be ruined It can cause destruction. It can cause people to walk away from the faith. How? Because when you have riches, you start to become your own savior. You don't need to pray for daily bread anymore because you can provide it. When you experience a problem, you can pay someone to fix that problem for you. You start to need God less. But let's not get it confused. The Bible doesn't say that money is evil. What does it say? Money is, the love of money is a root of all evil. The problem is not the money, the problem is me. The problem is my heart, my affection, my desires, the way I chase after money more than I chase after God. And here's the thing, so many of you are doing amazing things with money. You are the highest income earners in your family. You are making money and sending it back home at the same time. You have desires to own property. You have desires to, ha- to pass on a legacy. It's when these desires become idols. It's when our identity becomes attached to these things that if I don't make this happen, then I'm less of a person. The difference between earthly ambition and godly ambition is godly ambition can handle success and failure. Godly ambition can handle dreams fulfilled and dreams denied. 
When you have godly ambition, it's not saying, I'm just gonna trust God for the harvest. It's planting the seeds. It's watering the seeds, but knowing God is the God of the harvest. We plant, we water, he brings the increase. Godly ambition asks, how can I use my hands? How can I use my mind? How can I use my time to, to maximize what I can do for the Lord? With an earthly ambition, we will worship our money. With a godly ambition, we will worship with our money. What does a godly ambition look like when it comes to our money? A simple definition is focused on how my money can glorify God and impact others. How my money can glorify God and impact others. How can my money be an extension of God's grace and his goodness? So have a godly ambition in your career. Go to the conference, listen to the podcast, read the book, get the coaching. Because as you earn more, you can increase your generosity. Your generosity includes things like giving to the church. It includes helping your family. It includes giving to the poor. It includes giving to causes and organizations that you care about. Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. A godly ambition is not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking less of yourself. No, I said that right away. Hold on, hold on. Replay. Woo, woo, woo. Godly ambition is not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking, am I getting it right? Lost my notes. Yes, it's thinking of yourself less. It's the mind. <laughs> Thank you for the encouragement. It's the model of Jesus. What, is Jesus. what does it say about Jesus? That he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself. He poured himself out like a servant. Be ambitious about your earning potential because it increases your giving potential. Be ambitious about your earning potential because it increases your giving potential. Now notice that I use the word potential. For those of you who have bonuses at work, there is a potential that you could get 2% of your income as a bonus. There's a potential you could get 10% of your income as a bonus. Praise God to the bonuses in the house, right? But that bonus becomes real when that direct deposit hits, right? Now you have to decide, how will I be generous with this bonus? There's a difference between potential generosity and actual generosity. What's the secret to that gap? Contentment. The secret to being generous or becoming more generous is contentment. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. The key to becoming more generous is becoming more content.
I'm not talking about you just tithing more to Bridge Church. I'm talking about a contentment that leads to surrender. I'm talking about a contentment where you have a godly ambition for money that's connected to the glory of God. I envision a godly ambition combined with contentment that allows you to pay someone's rent. That's something worth having an ambition for. That's something worth going to conferences and making money for. And as your income increases, your contentment increases, your generosity increases. Generosity can become a lifestyle for you. And generous people, they make good friends. They make good managers. They make good spouses, good coworkers, good neighbors. But it's not a given that as we earn more, we will give more. More income does not lead to more generosity or more contentment. In my own life, when God has increased my income, there's one thing that prevents more contentment and more generosity. One thing. The more I make, the more I spend. <laughs> Some of you might call it or heard it called the lifestyle creep, right? Increased income leads to increased spending. Is there anyone else out there? And some of the increased spending is good, right? You make more money. The, the apartment was getting too small. It was time to move out. You began to start traveling. You can get the spa days. But just realize there are so many factors working against contentment. $270 billion will be spent this year on digital advertising. Yo, why is it when you and your friends are talking about something, that thing will show up in your feed like the next day? And it's like, oh, hi there, are you looking for? Just click, add to cart. Advertising professionals say they aren't actually trying to sell you a product. They're trying to sell you the experience of the product the benefits, the how your life will get better because of this product. Advertising is selling us discontentment. Discontentment says, I will be happy when I have fill in the blank. When I get fill in the blank. When you are discontent, you make the worst financial decisions. You don't have the money for it, but instead you pay for it with a credit card with no plan to pay it off. You can never make enough money to satisfy a discontent heart. The next salary increase won't do it. The next job promotion will not do it. It's like that meme of, you guys seen this, of the guy mopping the beach? You guys seen this? Right? Like he's, he's mopping the beach, right? He's mopping the beach. The, the, the uh, mop gets full, he takes it to the bucket, he wrings it out, he comes back, he's mopping the beach, right? And the water doesn't stop. With discontentment, the credit card keeps swiping, right? You bring home the bag, you empty it, you go back, right back to the waves of discontentment, putting your mop in there, still swiping, still swiping. The discontentment waves never stop. Buying won't satisfy the discontentment. In a way, it might actually feed more discontentment. The more income there is, the more outgo there is.
But contentment is hard to define for each person because it starts not on the outside, but on the inside. It starts in our heart. So I'm not asking you to create a financial contentment within yourself or with your own strength. Look at how Paul describes contentment here. And this is my last set of verses. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty. And I have learned the secret of hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I love that. He says contentment, it's a secret. It's not natural, it's supernatural. It's something we learn. A gratitude journal, it's not the source of contentment. Being a minimalist is not the source of contentment. These are good things, but it's the last verse. The verse that's been taken out of context so many times. Having the strength of Jesus to do all things who strengthens me is not this triumphalist mentality. It's I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. One of those things, contentment. Contentment in plenty, contentment in hunger. It's the strength of Jesus that makes us content in every season. Let me speak to two types of people right now. To the person right now who is brought low, you are financially suffering. You're not able to meet your needs, much less your wants. Your temptation will be to lose comfort in Jesus. Your temptation will be to believe that Jesus is not a provider. Your temptation is gonna try to be to work harder, to make more moves, open more doors. Let Jesus be your contentment. To the person who is in abundance, you are prospering. You can pay for your needs and your wants. You're traveling luxuriously. Your net worth is increasing. Your temptation is to stop trusting in Jesus and start trusting in yourself. Your own ingenuity, right? Your own skills, your personality, who you are, your networking. Let Jesus be your contentment and consider how you can be more generous in your abundance. The strength of Jesus in our life creates contentment. In the original Greek, the way this verse is written, it's actually written with present tense language. So I'm gonna actually read it like it's written right now. Like Paul is in the Church of Bridge Church in Brooklyn and he's writing to you. Through Christ, who is currently strengthening you. Through Christ, who is able to do all things. Through Christ, who is able to give you constant and renewed strength. Receive my contentment. All things are able through Christ's strength, even contentment. For the next three Wednesdays, our Wednesday night Bible study is going to become a money workshop. So we're gonna be talking about some of these principles. We're gonna talk about application. 
Uh, I'm gonna help you create a framework for your finances. We're gonna do some Q&A. So I would love to see you there this Wednesday at 7.30. Because this is a sermon on giving, I gotta finish with a formula. It's only right. Earthly ambition minus contentment will lead to a greedy life. But godly ambition plus contentment will lead to a generous life. Greed or generosity. You know that saying, money can't buy happiness? <laughs> Some of you are like, mm, but let me try. <laughs> I actually think money can buy happiness. Because you can buy things, you can buy experiences, you can do the fancy restaurants. All those things have an expiration date. Money can buy happiness, but it cannot buy joy. Why? Because the Bible says joy is a fruit of the spirit, not a work of the flesh. Contentment comes from the strength of Jesus. Contentment comes from the strength of Jesus that provides joy, a fruit of the spirit. Like, isn't that beautiful? We don't have to create contentment. We don't have to create joy because we're not the source of it. Contentment comes from the strength of Jesus. It'll provide joy, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Contentment is knowing that God will supply every need according to yours, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Have a godly ambition so that your earning potential increases your giving potential and receive the strength of Jesus so that he can give you his contentment. Let me pray. Lord, these are the love of money is a root of all kind of evil. And God, we confess that we have done evil things with our money. We have done some good things, but not God things. God, so I will start by saying, I confess my love of money. I confess that it's easier for me to control it than surrender it to you. Lord, I confess that many days, it's not like I'm discontent for life or discontent. It's like I shift between ambition, earthly ambition and godly ambition. I'll wake up earthly, go into godly, come back to earthly. God, I wake up without contentment. I have contentment and I go away from contentment. So God, we are saying we cannot do this ourselves. We receive your strength. We redeem ambition to not be about look at what it can do for me, but look what it can do for others. What would it look like for a church that was so, had such a godly ambition that it affected the city? What would it look like for a church that, that as best as we can pushed away debt so that we could be more generous? Debt is robbing the kingdom of God's generosity. So God, we receive your contentment. We say, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Purify my thoughts. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Today, as you heard me talk about receiving the strength of Jesus and having a godly ambition, but maybe you're like, I don't know if I've even not received the strength of Jesus. I don't know if I have actually received Jesus. He's not the Lord of my life. He's not the Lord of my finances. You can stand on your feet. If that's you here today, if you have not made Jesus, the pilot of your life, if he's not in the driver's seat of your life, then we're going to pause for a moment and we're going to ask you to come forward so that you can publicly tell people, I'm making a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you made a commitment at one time, but you walked away and you, in a sense, kind of need to renew your vows to him. But Bridge Church, if you would just in this moment pray, because there are people that want to come forward right now, but they're scared. They're embarrassed about what someone may think. They're, they, they don't want to surrender. They like control. But there are strongholds keeping people from taking a step of faith. So as Bridge Church is praying, if you are here today and you would like to come forward, come forward, my sister, yes. Make a decision for Jesus. Do not walk out of this building not knowing who's the Lord of your life. There are eternal consequences at stake. And God is like a good father. His arms are open. He's just waiting for you to come back home. He said, child, come back. No matter what you've done, God is ready to receive you. His love is unconditional, not based on anything you have done or not done. There's still time. Is there anyone that wants to make Jesus the Lord of their life today? Lord, thank you for my sister who just came forward. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing when one comes into the fold. God, we know that we cannot make you the Lord of our finances if you are not the Lord of our life. Lord, so for my sister who made this decision today, Lord, I pray that we can be a church that helps her make the next decision, that helps her take a step of faith. This is, the faith is called a race. It's called a journey. It's not called a moment. But this is a moment for her. Lord, we love you. We can do nothing without you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister, you can go with Kelly right there. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. 
If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 10.30 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.